right, it is time for our economy tutor, getting a comprehensive guide to understanding some of the important economic issues of the past week. Very pleased to have joining us our tutor from the Department of Economics at Catholic University, Professor Yang Jun-suk. Professor Yang, hello. Hello. Well, we're going to talk two issues right now. First is minimum wage, and second, kind of addressing not the political aspects of the Incheon International uh, controversy, but really more, uh, I guess, the economics behind uh, irregular workers and transforming them into uh, permanent workers. Um, I, I'm going to say uh, you're going to play a little bit of a Scrooge McDuck kind of role here. <laughs> Kidding aside, but uh, just, just your economic philosophies on all of this. The minimum wage committee, uh, they are negotiating the new minimum wages set. Uh, the, the typical markers are employers say, let's keep the rate the same. Unions say, we've got to jump it up crazy amount, and then they meet somewhere in the middle. That's usually how it happens. But set it up for us right now with the numbers as, as it stands, please. Okay, well, uh, we had a record number of minimum wage increase in 2018 and 2019, 16.4% and 10.9%. But if you look at the 10-year numbers, it's actually a lot more disturbing. Uh, if you look at the uh, numbers since uh, 2010, um, inflation rose o- about 15% over the last 10 years. Uh, negotiated wages, so that's wages which were negotiated by uh, unions or public workers or such, they rose by 42%. But if you look, and per capita GDP rose by 16.4%. Uh, but if you look at the minimum wage, it rose by 109% over the last 10, uh, last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Now, Uh, You may say, well, if the uh, minimum wage was set too low 10 years ago, then perhaps it deserves to be uh, rising faster than the other variables. Right. But still, uh, if if we have a per capita GDP figures of only uh, rising only by 16% and minimum wage doubling, and especially if you have most of that hit in the last three, three or four years, uh, we have about 30% increase in minimum wage over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Then you are going to see a lot of things just uh, failing to adjust because the uh, prices have, uh, wages have risen just too quickly. Um, and that seems to be what is happening now. Uh, we had in the last few years, in the uh, employment reports, we had a lot of people losing their full-time jobs. A lot of jobs were created, but they were mostly part-time jobs, probably under 15 uh, hours per week or less. Uh, we'll, we can talk about why that is a bit later on. And because the uh, minimum wage has risen so much in the last uh, 10 years, last three years especially, I'm not sure if we can say that the uh, Korean minimum wages are too low anymore. Uh, in comparison to what metric, the, the per capita GDP or uh, real income or uh, in terms of, let's say, comparison to other uh, so-called developed nations and, and, and where they stand with minimum wage compared to their GNI? Okay, well, uh, when they started talking about whether the minimum wage was too low, they started to uh, compare the minimum wage in Korea with minimum wages in other countries, uh, just straight uh, tr- uh, turning the yuan into, say, U.S. dollar or British pound. Problem is, uh, if you use the market exchange rate for that, market exchange rate changes substantially in a very short time, uh, and uh, that may give misleading signals. Uh, what we like to use most of the time is if you earn, if you have a full-time job earning minimum wage, you're working 40 hours per week, uh, 52 hours per year, uh, what 
and uh, you take a look at your annual pay, what, what's the percentage of that in per capita GDP or GNI? But uh, GDP was easier to get. Uh, so if you look at some of the uh, figures for the advanced countries, uh, we have uh, for France, uh, which we think of as a country with a very high level of welfare, mm-hmm. uh, it's 50.8%. Mm-hmm. If you took the uh, French minimum wage and you worked at it for a year, then you mm-hmm. would earn 50.8% of per capita GDP. For Germany, it's 48%. For United Kingdom, it's 53%. The uh, highest numbers usually belong to Australia and New Zealand. Australia was 53.2%, and New Zealand was 62.2%. Hmm. Korea this year is thought to be... Uh, thought to be, uh, let's see, over 50%. Uh, In fact, uh, Korea is thought to be, let me get the figures here. I seem to have lost numbers. Korea is second to New Zealand at 56.8%. Thanks. Uh, So uh, we're running second to New Zealand. Uh, We're running at a high 50%. We're higher than France and Germany, which is typically known as Uh, high welfare countries. The uh, United States is only 26.2%, but in this case, we don't necessarily want to follow the United States. Uh, And Japan is 36.3%. I think the argument can be made uh, with workers in the U.S. and Japan that they they, they definitely uh, should demand higher minimum wage. Wouldn't you agree? Well, so uh, (laughs) the United States, they're thinking about doubling the uh, minimum wage. They're about uh, $7.50, I believe. And they're thinking about doubling it to $15. And that we've had experiments in Seattle and other pockets of municipalities. There has been some, uh, yeah, we've talked about this before. There has been some interesting results. What seems to be happening in those uh, cities where they raise the minimum wage by uh, suddenly by that big an amount is that uh, skilled workers sort of push out the unskilled workers. So in a restaurant or in a uh, uh, unskilled job, they usually hire unskilled labor, uh, people who are just starting out, but they've been replaced by people who have experience because, well, if you're going to pay them a high wage, then you might as well pay, uh, try to get somebody with experience. So overall, Unemployment rate doesn't seem to change, but the composition does seem to change. Okay, so, you know, the basic broad outlines of of this debate is if you set the minimum wage too high, uh, businesses uh, won't be able to afford hiring workers. Uh, The small and medium-sized firms will go out of business. Uh, Maybe that results in less competition because these big chevels in the Korean context would be able to gobble up a lot of uh, the market share here. A lot of people say on the other side, though, minimum wage being too low, There is this aspect of the dignity of work. You should be allowed to be able to work any job, whether it's a convenience store clerk or, you know, high-flying lawyer, and still make a livable wage. And the calculation often seems to be that uh, hourly wage times 40 hours per week and how above that is above the uh, poverty threshold, right? I mean, those are the basic outlines. Yeah, but the the thing is, not everybody uses the minimum wage uh, income to support their families. When you see people who are earning minimum wage, it usually falls into two categories. One is, as we just said, people who depend on these minimum wage jobs to feed their uh, families. And then there are uh, people, young workers, I'm sure that they uh, think that they deserve a lot more money, and maybe they do, but they don't really depend on 
the uh, minimum wage jobs for survival. Uh, so perhaps those two type of uh, uh, workers may be treated differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also seen some uh, effects uh, over the last three years on what the uh, minimum wage has done uh, uh, for the income distribution and such. Though the uh, res- uh, the results that I'm going to tell you uh, maybe sh- should be taken with a bit of salt because, okay. well, we had a 52-hour workweek rule uh, imposed almost at the same time, and we had a slowdown and a recession coming in at a, a virtually same time. But still, we've seen actually seen a sort of an increase in income disparity uh, after the minimum wage has risen. Uh, and part of the reason is that, well, the rise of minimum wage uh, some people were lucky enough to maintain their jobs. Some people were not. So in the uh, poorest part of the population, uh, we don't see as much wage earners anymore. Uh, what we see in the poorest 20% of the population are people uh, self-employed, uh, convenience store owners, people uh, who uh, run their own businesses. Some of them have fallen from the uh, second quintile of income to the poorest quintile of income, while the uh, wage earners have gone up a lot of times from first to second quintiles, and then we have increase in um, unemployed in the first quintile as well. So it seems that the higher minimum wage sort of uh, uh, worsened the problem rather than solved it, though a lot of these uh, effects have been mitigated because the government has increased their welfare policies. Right. So um, we can put you then on the side of uh, Scrooge McDuck here in terms of minimum wage. Uh, Again, kidding aside, I mean, I I know that you have the philosophical uh, argument against it. Yeah, but I mean, as I mentioned, uh, in the last three years, minimum wage has gone up by nearly 30 percent. And seven years before that, the uh, minimum wages have gone up by five to six percent, five to seven percent every year. Uh, So basically, the result is that the uh, increase in minimum wage has really outstripped the productivity and inflation. And, and, that, and, that, and to be fair, you're not saying that the U.S. Uh, treating their workers at 26% is, is necessarily the, the, the ideal outcome either, right? Right. Uh, but what we've seen right now is that Korea now, at least in terms of per capita GDP, Korea is not the low man in the, uh, in right. the world. We actually, we're going to be second or third in the OECD countries. So we're, we're at uh, you know, this level right now, 8,000 some odd hundred won uh, for minimum wage. This, uh, this uh, negotiation, again, employers say, let's keep it the same. Um, um, we have the KCT, with the Minnochong, which is considered the more yeah. left of the unions. And then even the more conservative, the, uh, the K, uh, FKTU, the Hanochong, right? They, right? they are considered the more conservative union. They're both saying we need at least 10,000 won increase. Uh, is it going to be, you think, falling in the middle? Or where, where do you think, what, what do you predict right now the agreement's going to be? I think the agreement is going to be a lot lower unless the uh, labor unions dis- uh, decide to become a lot more antagonistic or militaristic uh, and going on strikes. The uh, problem that we've always... Do you always, think the pandemic has a mitigating factor in this? I think uh, due to the pandemic, if we have too high a rise in the minimum wage, we're going to see a lot of unemployment in the unskilled workers. But there's also a bit of a self-interest coming in as well, because, well, a lot of Korean wages, uh, in uh, wages given in the factories and such, they're based on the minimum wage. A lot of these wages are multiples of minimum wage. So obviously, if you have a higher minimum wage, they'll uh, 
the uh, non-minimum uh, wage workers will have an easier time of negotiating a higher wage, even if your job does not depend on the multiples of minimum wage. When you see new workers, unexperienced workers getting uh, coming into your company with uh, pay that's nearly equal to your own, uh, even though you've been in the uh, company for a long time, you're going to demand a higher wage. We've had an economic slowdown over the last uh, two or three years, and we've seen actually the uh, increases in negotiating uh, negotiated wages rise faster uh, than period about four or five years ago when Korea ha- uh, was having a fairly good time uh, in terms of economic growth. Okay, we're going to move to our second topic then, uh, Professor Yang, and this one also related to, uh, I guess, uh, making Again, the the question of the dignity of work, right? Uh, Not on minimum wage, but on the actual type of job that you have. We have uh, what's known as irregular workers and uh, permanent uh, full-time employee uh, situations. There's been a proliferation of these so-called irregular type of jobs uh, in the Korean economy. Uh, There's been various schemes to try to mitigate that, maybe uh, having a window of where you have to transfer these um, workers to permanent jobs. That loophole allowed a lot of companies to simply just fire these workers, right, Uh, basically before that uh, window ended. Uh, the, the recent controversy, and I, I already uh, discussed at length the political aspects of this, Incheon International Corporation uh, transferred a lot of their security-related part-time workers into full-time positions. There was one controversial uh, alleged um, posting that was screen-captured by a person who claimed to be one of the beneficiaries, saying he got a part-time you know, uh, security job, and now he's got a full-time job. He didn't do anything about it, and he got 50 million won as a salary. A lot of those uh, facts have been debunked at, as to how it goes. But just kind of roll, get, get us started from the economic side of things with this irregular worker and I guess the resentment it built among young people who are so-called uh, elite educated and working so hard to build up their specs. Well, it isn't just elite. I mean, a school that I go to is, uh, I'm sorry to say, less elite than uh, okay. uh, sort of the uh, sky schools, but still, we have a lot of sensitivity in our uh, students as well. And the thing is, it's very hard to get into these uh, state-owned enterprise jobs. And the reason that people want to get in there is that they offer a secure job. They have a lot of job guarantees, guaranteed by law. They have a higher pay. Uh, Their pay in these better sectors, such as the SOEs, their annual pay is nearly twice as much as what you would get if you get into small companies or the uh, irregular jobs. Uh, So... uh, but, but, I mean, the, the facts of the matter, at least from if yeah. you believe the government, is that they are not reducing in any way the quota. It's not a zero-sum situation where those applicants are not going to be able to get those jobs. This is just more of a program with their existing part-time workers before 2017. Well, this is, the, uh, this is where the uh, political problem of fairness comes in. Okay. You, can say, you can say that rationally. But uh, a lot of these students have been working to get these jobs, and you were facing a competition of about 150 to 1 for jobs in these uh, these sectors. Uh, Literally, uh, you have uh, students who've studied for years to try to get into these uh, SOE jobs, uh, spending millions of won on extracurricular studies like in English, and now they feel that because of political pressure, some people can just become one of these regular jobs in the SOEs without doing anything just because the president said they should. And so uh, they feel that fundamentally 
Uh, it's like playing lotto. If you're uh, in a politically favored situation, then you could get into a regular job without really investing in yourself. Whereas uh, some people, uh, they have to spend a lot of money, a lot of years, effort to get into one of these jobs. Right. And so it's quite clear um, why young people who have kind of basically, you know, I, I know this has become cliche now, but this idea of hell j o s a n right? Yeah. They, they, they study uh, their butts off. They, they work their uh, way into uh, what they hope to be the best possible uh, scenario, which is get a good mark on the sunung, get into a decent university like Catholic University. I mean, <laughs> please don't besmirch your institution too much. Uh, they get into a good college like Catholic University. They're hoping they study under the tutelage of uh, Professor Young, uh, get a degree in, in whatever field, and be able to gainfully be employed, hopefully by one of these nice um, uh, publicly owned corporations And uh, they're looking at these uh, part-time security workers who have all of a sudden gotten uh, full-time employment, and that breeds a lot of resentment. And they're saying that they're – but do you understand how the optics of that doesn't necessarily look good to the the – part-time workers saying what are, we're, we're not um, considered to be equal members of society that we not have you know we're not uh, allowed to have equal opportunities with that kind of work oh, oh definitely but the fundamental problem is is that because uh, th- there's a lot of protection for these better class jobs the full-time jobs uh, because uh, the wages have been driven up so much in these full-time jobs that If you turn everybody everybody in Korea into full-time workers, Korea probably cannot afford it. That's why in some of these companies, uh, even though you have full-time workers, uh, the companies are not hiring that many full-time workers, but they're using irregular workers instead. Uh, That allows companies to lay off workers effectively when there's a recession. Uh, You can't really do that if everybody is in full-time jobs, if you follow all the Korean rules and regulations. So uh, a lot of these companies... especially the uh, small and medium-sized companies, but not just limited to them. Uh, They cannot afford to make everybody into a so-called full-time regular worker. Uh, And that has to be something that's dealt with. Then bottom line, uh, because we have to point out the the situation with a company like Incheon International Airport Corporation, or if you work for like Bank of Korea, these are are companies that are essentially uh, government-linked. And so there's going to be some aspect of the the president or uh, leaders can set policy on that. It's not going to necessarily apply to uh, conglomerates or SMEs, although they they might take their lead from these things. So what do you think is the solution to this? Because everyone would want a decent job, whether you go to Catholic University or not. Yeah, and... My solution, it's not particularly popular, but and uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, counter arguments on why this shouldn't be taken place. But my answer is to make the uh, labor market more uh, flexible, uh, which basically comes down to even in the uh, full time jobs, even in the regular jobs, make it easier to fire them Uh, because. A lot of of times, not always, but a lot of times, because you have these barriers on firing people, uh, you have a lot of protection. Sometimes the uh, labor labor in some of these full-time jobs in SOEs, they're not as efficient as they should be. Uh, I don't think you should uh, try to cut down the uh, pay of the people who are in these jobs already. That's going to cause a lot of problems. But at least make it easier to fire them if they're not doing a good job. 
in which case you'll have more opportunities for the younger people to replace uh, these fire people and get into a better job. And perhaps we can uh, increase some efficiency in the uh, protected sector as well. Right. So um, really, really kind of uh, pushing that uh, Scrooge McDuck line here. I don't like high minimum wage. (laughs) I don't like regular workers to have tenure in their positions, and we need to get them. Well, uh, just to to, uh, make an example of uh, my own profession, once you get tenure, apparently your paper publishing goes down a lot. Ah, And I'm sorry to say that I'm actually one of that group, but... (laughs) Okay, okay. So I I guess if we apply it all across the board, uh, we can consider this to be an equitable solution to it. Uh, Professor Young, we are out of time, but always uh, appreciate your insights on these issues, and we hope you have a very good weekend. Thank you very much. Thank you.